So as a final part, I want to talk about cloud applications. And this means example applications um, that you could run on a cloud or how they would be actually run on a cloud. And this also includes big data systems. So that, and that you'll see in a, in a minute. Um, so uh, common cloud applications uh, would be web and mobile applications. So something that you can reach uh, from outside and the cloud basically provides a service um, that you can uh, yeah, run your, or you run your service on the cloud and then users can actually go to the cloud. Or you do something like data analytics. And here we have this nice economy of scale and this uh, easy elasticity. So you can do something like MapReduce, some SQL, machine learning, et cetera. There could be stream processing and um, any kind of batch computation. So you do real high performance computing, so some kind of simulations, or you do some video encoding and things like that. And um, so a cloud software stack could look something like this. And here you can already see we have multiple um, big data systems in here. So there, of course there can be web servers, then caches, which is again like a, a storage system, then operational stores, something like a key value store that we already discussed. We have analytics UIs. So this is more like um, a dashboard, but then also engines like MapReduce, Spark, metadata uh, storages, and then message buses. So the things that, that uh, connect data, other kinds of service uh, like machine learning systems, but then also underneath a distributed storage then under this, we have the scheduling, uh, we have some coordination services, and of course we need some uh, security and metering. And in the end, you can see the same kind of uh, software stack that we have in the, in the big data system. And this is because, well, we're using big data systems. So we have a distributed storage, we have the scheduling, and then we have the different kind of processing systems and applications on top. And so an example could be web application. So if you have a web application, you need the web server. You might have other services like model serving. Um, you have a cache uh, to make the, the process or the, the, um, the serving of the web page or yes, there are web application faster. And then you have some kind of operational store where you store the user data and where you store the updates. Then on the other hand, you could have some kind of analytics warehouse. So in this case, you of course need some kind of distributed storage. And then Amazon, this would be S3 or your Bigtable or the Hadoop file system. You need a metadata store. So to know where which data is uh, stored and then the analytics engine and probably some kind of UI for this. And um, something like Amazon. So AWS will provide you with these different kinds of services, but of course they will also charge you for that. And here uh, I have some current generation prices and this is, I mean, current generation, you can buy these, um, but they are still, um, they're, they're not the most expensive ones. And so this is the M4 instances. Uh, so instances on for the Elastic Compute Cloud. So this means this is infrastructure as a service. So you get, um, you can put your VM on there and um, you can have different kind of size instances. And these are on demand in this case. Um, so meaning uh, you basically get them uh, and then you have them uh, guaranteed 
for the amount of time that you want to happen. In contrast to spot instances, for example, that would be cheaper, but they can be uh, taken away from you if there is a customer that wants them on demand. And uh, so here, for example, we have from large to extra large and large means uh, we have two virtual cores. So probably two, um, two CPU cores. Uh, then we have eight gigabytes of memory and you can see that this costs um, 11 cents per hour. And if we go all the way up to the to M4 uh, extra large, then we have 64 cores and we have 256 gigabytes of memory. And there we already pay $3.74 per hour. So this is basically scaling significantly. And of course, you can use many of those nodes if you want. Um, then, uh, of course, there's also a container service. So uh, in this case, um, rather than getting the VMs where you have to install everything, uh, here you can install Docker server or use Docker uh, containers right away. And there's an automatic setup also. And we also have the framework uh, or as a service. So in this case, for example, there's Elastic MapReduce. And uh, here, then you can basically use MapReduce directly on these uh, EC2 uh, on-demand instances. And so then you have an automatic setup for Yarn, HDFS, and specialized frameworks like Spark. And uh, then, so if, for example, if you're using the M4 large um, nodes, then you basically, on top of that node, you pay then three cents per hour um, for the, the M4 large uh, instance uh, as an elastic MapReduce service. And this, of course, also scales with larger nodes. You'll have to pay more for this. And so this is also then you basically, for more service, more uh, instances, you will pay extra. Again, if you need more storage, you will also have to pay extra. Again. And We've talked about uh, inter infrastructure as a service and platform as a service and software as a service, but something that we didn't talk about is function as a service. And this is where we also see that some of the evolution um, or at least one direction of the evolution is happening. So from bare metal, we saw that we can use virtual machines. Then on top of that, we can use containers and something that's recently come up with functions. And this is not like uh, software as a service, but we can basically define our own functions and then run them on the cloud. And this is called function as a service or serverless computing. This means we're running a function in a Linux container and use this, for example, for web apps, IOTs, or, or highly uh, parallel map reduce or video encoding. And the idea is that we rather than having any kind of additional functionality, we're just specifying a small function, um, ideally stateless, um, that does certain amount of processing. So a simple example would be video encoding or image translation, something like that. And um, this is lightweight and can be run um, super uh, parallel and, um, and the clouds provide infrastructure for this. And because we're using a function, this is also called serverless computing because we don't have access to the actual server. 
And the idea is that we have short running stateless computation um, and some kind of event uh, driven applications which give you auto scalability and auto maintenance. So you're, you're only doing, um, you're only providing the function. And again, you only pay for what you use and all of the other maintenance is done by the cloud provider. And uh, many clouds nowadays um, provide this. So AWS has this as Lambda functions, Google has it as Google functions, and then other uh, cloud providers have the same. And there is also open source frameworks. And the idea is that you have a very fast um, provision time. So while on a, like if you're building an on-premise server, then this will take weeks to months. If you're starting up a VM, it will take minutes. Containers still usually take minutes to run up and a, a function, a serverless function is supposed to run in within milliseconds. So very fast to scale, not at the first deployment, but if you're adding more functions, it will be super fast. And the idea is that also using this, you can utilize your servers or the cloud provider can utilize the server much better. And you have much smaller charging granularity. So this means um, if your function is fairly fast and not heavyweight, this will be cheaper than running an, an, a separate instance for this. And serverless in this case doesn't mean a no servers, of course, but it means worryless servers. So you don't have to care about how this is scheduled where. And essentially the cloud provider will give you all of the, um, the guarantees and you don't have to care about anything there. And with that, actually, we're through with uh, the cloud and um, also with the, the, the overall block on, on data centers, virtualization and cloud computing. So what we talked about in this set of videos is the data centers and the data center hardware and characteristics. So the, the, what are the costs of a data center and um, what is our typical failures that happen that you have to consider. Then we talked about virtualization. So in order to make the data center um, yeah, better utilized or in general to utilize servers better, we can virtualize and use them in a multi-tenant mode. And we talked about virtual machines and uh, containerization and Docker in, Docker in, in um, like explicitly. And um, then we talked about scheduling concepts. So how to schedule multiple jobs on a cluster, um, how to schedule on a single processor. So we had FIFO scheduling. Um, then we had the Hadoop schedulers. We had the uh, dominant resource first scheduling. And uh, then finally, we talked about cloud computing. So if you don't want to have your own uh, platform, you don't want to use your own uh, data center, set up your own cluster, then you can use the cloud. And we've looked at both aspects. So on the one hand, the, the providers um, yeah, benefits, on the other hand, the, the users benefits, and of course, also downsides. And so now we covered the infrastructure and the next part will be the file system. And in this case, mainly the distributed file system that we will talk about. So with that, thank you for your attention. As always, um, I'm looking forward to your questions 
in Moodle and in the Q&A sessions, and of course, always also per email. Thank you.